course, my name is Joe Moore. I think you all know that. And I'm here substituting for Paul. Uh, he, at least he gave me some time to think about it. I have been thinking about the 23rd Psalm uh, for at least two or three weeks now, which I like that. It's not like he called me two days ago to sub here. Um, one of the things that I realized is that I, I don't have as much of a command for Hebrew as I do for Greek. I really enjoyed my Greek, and I, I retained some of it. I don't think I re retained any of my Hebrew, except for uh, the understanding of biblical languages and how in Greek and Hebrew, the, the words are, are a lot of times parts of other words and when, in, for instance, there is a word in, in the 23rd Psalm that we'll talk about a little bit that is part of one Hebrew and part of another Hebrew word that really defines what it is. And that's what I like about the biblical languages. Um, and and I, I do more work with, um, with the New Testament. And, and a lot of my, most of my preaching has been from the New Testament. And you can almost hear... English words in the Greek words that make real sense. But I think that's what I like about biblical languages is that when you do really go into a deep word study on, on particular words, you get a better understanding of what that word is. Like, for instance, the word love in Greek, there are four, four or five, depending on how you, you think through it, words that can be translated love, but they're all different. In English, we have one word, love. So um, we'll, we'll get into that a little bit more. Let me pray, and we'll get, get going here. Father, thank you for this class. Thank you for the opportunity to share. Uh, thank you for who you are. Uh, thank you, as we will be reminded today, that you are our shepherd and that you take care of our needs, that you walk ahead of us and beside us, and uh, you, you care about everything that happens in our lives. Thank you for this group. Thank you for this class. Thank you for the history that's here, the legacy that's here, and just pray that you would be with us in, the, in our time together this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So what I'd like to do before we do anything else is just read the 23rd Psalm together. And I have it here in the ESV, so I don't know if you, if you feel comfortable reading another version and, and dis disrupting the, the harmony of the group, <laughs> then, then, then go at it. But like I did... Was it two weeks ago in the Lord's Prayer? Somewhere I heard trespasses, and it was in my ear. But fortunately, I watched the video, and I mumbled enough when I realized I was saying, saying trespasses, and it didn't come through on the video. So I didn't have to worry about being chastised for that because nobody recognized it. Okay, let me... Psalms is in the Old Testament, right? 
So this is, this is the ESV, if you have that. Um, but if not, if you can even do it from memory, uh, we'll, I think the words are all fairly similar. Let's read it together. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What there, There's just jam-packed full of great places to go. So we're going to be here for about an hour and a half. Um, and... And we'll try to, to touch bases. When my, my approach was that I started going through um, and I, I, took, I took the psalm and then I highlighted key words in red. And before I knew it, it's all red. <laughs> because there are, there are so many key thoughts and key words that, that jump out at us and, and we've all had our introduction to the 23rd Psalm. I remember, oh, I don't know whether it was fourth grade, third grade, um, memorizing the 23rd Psalm. And, I mean, how many of you read the 23rd Psalm every day before school? Does anybody, we, I went to a small school in Maryland, and the things we did in the morning we said the Pledge of Allegiance, we said the Lord's Prayer, and then we read the 23rd Psalm. And that was years ago, because uh, I'll be 69 on Saturday, so that puts me in there. Um, but I remember being so confused as I read, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Why don't I want him? You know, that was my thinking as an elementary school student. Why, why wouldn't I want the Lord to be my shepherd? Um, and so, that, I, and that sticks with me uh, as kind of my first, my first thinking about the twenty-third Psalm. Um, but let's let's take a look at some key thoughts. Um, first of all, I think your Bible probably is the same as mine that it's very clear that this is a psalm of David. And I think it's important to know that as we, as we look at the 23rd Psalm, because when David says, the Lord is my shepherd, you know that he knows what a shepherd is. Because he was a shepherd from, from a young child going forward. And so he has an understanding of what a shepherd does. And I think it's key that, he, that it says, the Lord is my shepherd. Um, and so, so David, David 
in the writer of the, being the writer of this psalm, and, you, and I don't know how much Paul background has given you, so I don't want to repeat much, but we, we accredit the psalms to David, but there are other writers. And you'll notice sometimes in your, in your Bible to say a psalm of David or a psalm of Asaph or the sons of Korah or Solomon or Moses, um, and some, some are anonymous psalms. So what, what are the psalms? And the best way that I could illustrate that is this. This is a hymn book. You know what this is. You know what's in here. This, the psalms were, were basically hymns that were a part of worship and, and that were a part of uh, everyday, even, readings and practices. Um, so... Let's, let's take a look at uh, and unpack some of the key things. The, the first thing is the Lord. Now, in your Bible, I expect that it's Lord, all capitals. Do you know the story behind that? Do you know when there's Lord, all capitals, or when it's Lord, capital L, little letters? But when it's all capital letters... The Hebrew word that is translated, Lord, all capitals, and the name for God is what? Do you know? Yahweh. Yahweh in, in Hebrew and, and in, in Jewish culture, Yahweh is the most solemn uh, name that, that, and even to the point that it's not, it's not right to say it out loud. And that's why they came up with Jehovah, because they wouldn't say Yahweh, they would say Jehovah. And when you write um, Yahweh in Hebrew, you don't include any of the, the vowels, because even writing it with, with uh, understanding of, of Yahweh is, 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 is like a sense of disrespect, because that word is, is so solemn, so much acquainted with the God of creation, God the Father, that it, it's not correct to say it out loud. Um, but it's okay to say another word that means that out loud. So help me understand all of that. But it's, it's, it's the Lord, and it's referring to the most, solemn, most sacred uh, word and name of God uh, that we could be, that there could be. So there's no doubt that the God of gods, the God of creation, that he is the one who is, who is my shepherd. And then notice in at least the first section between verses 1 and 4, how often... It refers back to the Lord. He makes me lie down in green, green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. So it's, it's He, the Lord, that is doing all that. Um, and I think it's important to grasp onto that, that, that the beginning of the psalm is all about the Lord 
and what he does and how he cares for us. And then the imagery is that is there is that of a shepherd. Now, everybody, in if you've been to Israel on a trip, you know what shepherds are. You see sheep. You see them. David was a shepherd. He knew what shepherds did. Um, everyone who would have read this knew what a shepherd was. Uh, they, they, may be a she- they may have been a shepherd or they may have cared for sheep along the way. Caring for sheep is not an easy task. Uh, I've never done it, but my understanding is that caring for sheep, and maybe caring for other livestock, I know uh, you've cared for livestock for sure, uh, it's, it's because you have to take care of them without getting feedback. And so the, the job of a shepherd uh, is, is guessing sometimes or knowing what is going to take place and, and looking to keep, to keep your flock safe. A book that I read, I found this in Abilene Christian University's bookstore. Has anybody read this? Uh, it's called, They Smell Like Sheep. And, and I was going through a particular hard time, in, not, not like I was considering whether I was going to stay in ministry or not, but there were so many people that were sucking the life out of me, and I'm thinking, yeah, they smell like sheep, and they stink, and it's difficult to be around them. Well, I mis- misthought the title of this book completely. And it changed my whole perspective of ministry because the background of this book is not that the sheep stink, it's that the shepherds spend so much time with the sheep that they begin to smell like sheep. And, and it, it transformed my understanding of ministry that I want to be so involved in what's going on with the people that God gives me to serve that I smell like them. Uh, and, and I really had to repent of my feelings of like, yeah, I work with a bunch of stinky people. Um, so it's, it's a commitment to be a shepherd, but God has that commitment to us to be our shepherd. And he connects with us. And can you imagine, like, if he would have conversations with um, the Trinity in heaven? Can you believe what they've done again? It's, it stinks. But that's not his attitude toward us. Yeah, he does. And Romans 5.8, he loved us. He demonstrated his love to us. Even though while we were still sinning, he sent Christ to die for us. That's the shepherd's heart of God and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I've since learned that that means I will not, I will not, I will not, I will have everything that I need. Um, I won't be in one. I won't. I, I won't need anything. Um, he, 
he makes me to lie down in green pastures. The key words there are green and pastures. Green pastures. What does what does what does is the image of that that comes up in your in 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 your thinking? Peaceful. Peaceful. Okay, and and what the 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 object of the sheep is what? I want to eat. I want to be nourished. I want to, I want to have my needs taken care of, and I want to be. I want to eat. And I'm not going to eat that burnout grass. I want the good stuff. And the green pastures really does, in the Hebrew, mean fresh, new, good grass that is, is plentiful and tasty to the sheep. And have you experienced that in your relationship with God? Uh, yes, we go through hard times. We go through times where we wonder where he is and what's going on. But David says to us, he takes care of our needs. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Again, emphasis on the still waters. What, what, again, what, what, do you imagine that to be? Why would it need to be still waters? Yep. 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 Well, and can you imagine a sheep going to a river that is class four rapids? <laughs> Have you ever been on a whitewater rafting trip? I've been on the Yakigani River several times, and I've been on the Cheat River in uh, West Virginia. Um, class four rapids, washing machine type things. If you fall out of the raft, you get sucked in and hopefully you can dig your way out. That is not still water. And a sheep, unlike a cow, has so much on its body. Right. Just wet clothes and yep. heavy wet yep. clothes feel. A sheep has lost it. Yeah, so if they got sucked in, if they were along a river that was, number one, they probably wouldn't go near it. But number two, if they got too close and fell in, they're goners. And that's why the still waters are so important for the care of the sheep. That, that's right. It would be noisy. Uh, have you ever been next to Niagara Falls? I remember, I don't know how old I was, but we, we spent the night in the car, my dad and I, next to Niagara Falls. It was hard to sleep. It was hard to sleep. Someone else had some... You can interrupt me with your comments because I think we can learn together. Um, so, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. The language here is he restores my breath. The Hebrew for soul, trust me on this, and I can't pronounce the Hebrew words anymore, but the Hebrew words for soul is, has root connections to breath. It's a sense that he, he breathes new life into me. Isn't, isn't that what God does? 
And isn't that what he did at creation? In Genesis, he breathed life into man when he created him. He breathed life into woman when he created them. And, and so it's a restoration of our breath. Our, and our breath is the heart of who we are and the heart of our life. So the picture here is that um, he restores my soul. He restores my breath. He restores my life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. It, and it's 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 that ongoing picture of what God intends for us throughout our whole relationship with Him. And it's it's this this is the this is the New Testament in the Old Testament. This is precursor to our relationship with Jesus and what Jesus does for us. And it's, he restores my soul. So he's like bringing it back to what it needs to be. So almost a recreation of our lives. Don't we need that sometimes? Don't we need God to, to breathe into us a recreation of who he, how He created us and what He wanted us to be? He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. What are paths of righteousness in contrast to? There you go. You know, and... Mm-hmm. What are we drawn most to? Uh, now, I'd like to think that I'm drawn to paths of righteousness... But what seems more attractive to, attractive to us sometimes? Yeah, the, the, the paths of unrighteousness or shady righteousness or not so clear righteousness. Sure, sure. I, I you know it's. I had a I had a volunteer in my youth ministry um, who would always say to kids. How much dog dirt do you want in your brownies? How much dog dirt do you want in your brownies? You know, just a little bit? Just a little bit? Um, and, and I always wanted to make some kind of a skit on that and then serve brownies for a snack after. But, you know, how much, how much, um, like, I did an illustration one time with orange juice and chocolate milk. And if orange juice is the pure thing and you want to drink it, well, how, what if I put a little bit of chocolate milk in? Uh, have you ever drank orange juice and chocolate milk? I did for that illustration. And I drank it. And, and I thought, okay, if I just put a little more orange juice in, I can cover it up. You can't cover up chocolate milk and orange juice. Uh, it's still there. The only way you can get rid of it is to dump it out, wash it out, and start all over again. That's the restoration of our soul um, that, that David is talking about. And he leads me on paths of righteousness for his name's sake. That's the line I want you to talk about. Okay. 
how important is a name? I, my dad used to always tell me, what you do outside of the house reflects on our name. And, and the name motif in Scripture, and especially the, the name of God, the name of Jesus, if you're naming the name of God, if you're taking on the identity of, of a believer in God or a believer in Jesus Christ, and you're not reflecting it, if you're not pursuing the path of righteousness and you're pursuing something else or you're compromising all over the place, what kind of an example are you to the name that you have chosen? And I think that's what it's all about. You know, are we, are we conscious that we represent our relationship and how we live out our relationship with God represents God? represents Jesus. And, and that's, that's what he's saying for his, his name's sake. What you do is a reflection of me. That's right. That's right. And Sure, exactly. Exactly. Be careful what bumper stickers you put on your car. <laughs> Especially when you cut out in front of somebody or make an illegal turn or illegal U-turn or blow your horn at somebody in front of you. Um, be careful what bumper sticker uh, you have on your car. Uh, you know, Jesus loves you. Uh, remember well, the ones that said, honk if Jesus loves you? Yeah. And I knew some people who had that on their car, and when somebody would honk at them, they'd get mad. Yeah. It's like, why are they honking at me? <laughs> Did you forget what bumper sticker you put on your, ba- on the, on your car? My husband said he's going to put the one on, says, if you love God, pay tithes, forget honking. <laughs> <laughs> That's a pastor's heart, for sure. <laughs> Any, any thoughts in that first section, verses 1 through 3? Um, that it's easier to lead animals than to drive them. Okay. And the Lord is leading us, okay. not pushing us. Okay. Yeah, and, and go ahead. Well, and, and God has provided us green pastures, which means you don't have to wander around. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you can be beside still waters. But a lot of sheep don't see themselves in green pastures. So mm-hmm. they nibble their way, head down. Sure, into sure, danger into danger. Trails, yes. Just picking one bite at a time. Yes. So a good shepherd has to always be watching out for the one who is being led away by sure. grass. Sure, good, good analogy. I like that whole thing that a pasture is a designated place and a green pasture and still waters is a safe environment mm-hmm. and paths of righteousness mm-hmm. are there but sheep are dumb animals mm-hmm. 
they head down, nibble themselves away from the rest of the flock following a second draft. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're focused on one thing, and that's eating the good grass. And they, like you said, they don't always recognize when they're not. So if you just talk to sheep and say, keep your head up and watch where you're going. Or you use that crook and you push it yeah. back with a herd. But that's, but that's the role of the shepherd. That's exactly the role of the shepherd is to keep, these, keep his sheep together and to keep his sheep in the pasture in a place where they're safe. You're getting way ahead of me. Do you want to teach? Come on up here. <laughs> I didn't really think, read anything about that. She asked, did, did shepherds in that time have border collies? That's a good question. You know, and I don't know. I really don't know. I'd like to get through this, but maybe we won't. Yeah, no, I'm not complaining. Does Paul ever go long? Yes. Have you known a pastor that doesn't ever go long? Verses 4, verse 4, and, and the, the problem is that there's so much packed in to these verses. I mean, how often have you just read the 23rd Psalm? And read it, it's like, okay, I read it. But how, how often do we stop and read it and try to understand what it's saying to us? And, un, and, and be able to pick the gems out that we can apply to ourselves. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Some key things here. Uh, when I became a pastor of care and when I was called in to work with families that had suffered the loss of a loved one, this became real to me. In the grief share um, materials that we use, uh, it's, it's one of the speakers talks about Psalm 23, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Key, key word in there is walk. You don't run through the valley of the shadow of death. When you've lost a loved one, it's a walk and it's a journey. It's not a sprint. And you, you've got to walk through that and allow God to comfort you throughout that time 
and eventually leads you through to a place of not necessarily, you don't forget about the people that you've lost, but you are less conscious of the grief and the pain because you trust in the sovereignty of God. And, and I, I have a whole new understanding of Psalm 23 as it relates to the loss of loved ones. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. But it's not just related to the loss of a loved one. We are going to walk through valleys with shadows. Uh, we walk through the valley of the shadow of death in, re in relation to ourselves every day because we are not going to live in this earthly uh, jar of clay forever. Um, and I, I'm joking with my daughters these days, you know, in a year I'll be 70. Now I know I'm just a child compared to many of you, <laughs> but in a year I'll be 70. A and I keep thinking of that and I keep telling my daughters, be kind to me, give me, cut me a break because I'll be 70. No. Um, and it's, a, it's an ongoing. Now, I, I don't think of my death every day, but clearly I walk through the valley of the shadow. And I think the, 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 one of the key things here is it's a shadow of death. Because in, in our relationship with God, death is just a shadow. It's, a sh it's not that I walk through the valley with death. I walk through the valley of the shadow of death and God's light is shining in and it's a shadow. And God is going to be there. Uh, I will fear no evil. Key, key statement, for you are with me. You are with me. And everything that I'm experiencing in my journey of life, I can trust that God is with me. And I can trust that He is going to overcome the shadows in my life and give me the strength and the courage and what I need to walk through that. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Rod, like a walking stick, maybe a little bit thick, Staff, some of you already talked to, and I, I was going to go to the, to the Christmas pageant closet and try to find the shepherd's crook, but I didn't. I had a thought, but, you know, it's been a busy weekend, and, and I didn't, didn't pre-plan that. But the rod is, is, is generally a, maybe a, a straight stick, maybe a, a thicker stick. Uh, the rod is, you, you hear, see the rod, remember, in the wilderness, when the rod was used to, to bring water out of the rock. The rod was used to part the Dead Sea. Um, the rod was, was direction. Also, it was correction. And for the shepherd, the rod is protection from wild animals. Um, the staff is reserved for protecting in a different way in giving direction. And it's got the hook on the end so that, have you ever seen, I, I, my first trip to the Holy Lands, 
I actually saw a shepherd using his, his crook to pull a sheep um, to safety. That's what that little crook is. And it's a little bit longer because it, it, it gives him a better reach. And it's a little bit smaller because when you're trying to give guidance to the sheep, you don't want to beat them silly. And I think sometimes we need to remember that when we're trying to work with people around us and even in it with our children. Even though you may feel like I want to beat them silly, uh, when my grandkids, I love my grandkids, and I know you all know my grandkids, and you all tell me how wonderful they are. You aren't there at 9 o'clock or 10 o'clock when we're trying to get them to go to bed, and they're trying to, to push at each other's buttons. But you can't just beat them up. You've got to be gentle, firm with your direction. Um, although you just want to shake them, but I would get in trouble for that. Um, the interesting piece here, your rod and your staff do what? They comfort me. Even something that's that's for discipline can be comforting. We might not realize it at the in the moment, but have you do you think of times in your life when you were disciplined by someone or something that you didn't like it at the time, but you look back and say, that is really a part that shaped shaped me and even brought me comfort. Sure, sure. And uh, it takes a lot of anxiety out. And when I was working with uh, trying to help teachers who needed to improve their reach in the classroom and how many students they could actually affect, that was one of the hardest things to convince some of them of. The more structure you bring to class and the more confidence your students know what's expected, the less problems you have discipline-wise. Mm -hmm. Because they mm -hmm. are comfortable. Mm -hmm. But on the surface, as you look, and you might kind of think, how is di discipline comforting? But that's the answer. Other thoughts? You're doing a great job teaching this class, so I appreciate it. Now I'm lost. Here we go. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Important concept. Important concept. Because Israel, being such a small country, and with enemies all around them that could look in, um, and, and you know, uh, you know when they might even be coming after you because you can see the dust in the dis distance, and so you're, you're aware that your enemies are all around you. And from the trip from, from the Jordan River to Jerusalem, your enemies, you may see your enemies up in the cliffs because you're going up 
and it's dangerous. Uh, there's danger in those hills, and it's it's exciting to know that he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And it's not just he gives me a snack. He throws me a, a granola bar. Prepares a table before me. When you prepare a table, what does it look like? Yeah, when you're you're preparing it, my my aunt was a very good cook, and she prepared a table, and you you had to kind of say no, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done, but she wouldn't let you be done. And that's the picture that I get. He prepares a table before me, presents nourishment and what I need in the presence of my enemies. And gives me the opportunity to stop and to nourish myself. And provides nourishment. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, he didn't bring a blanket and have a picnic. Well, that, I would like, that's kind of what I wanted to ask about. The, um, the rest, the first part of the song is all very outdoor and, and pastoral. And, and then that beginning with verse 5, sort of indoors and more it's different from the rest of the song. Well I think it's a I, whole different Yeah and I picture. but I think that is in, in our thinking because um, the Israelites were nomads, a lot of them. Um, they they had cities but they didn't always live in a city. And the, the Israelites were mobile, and so they, they were often moving, and they were running away from their enemies. So I think maybe we, we need to kind of uh, re... But in, the, in the, all the first part... Um, yeah, I hear that, the, I hear that. The I of mm -hmm. is the mm -hmm. sheep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, and I think, but I think the I, uh, what David is doing is presenting himself as the sheep who recognizes the God as his shepherd. So I hear that. I hear what you're saying, but the, the me is David. Yeah, 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 and he, he, he did there. Sure, sure, and but I think from our perspective, the enemies can be around us either way, 
Um, but I do hear what you're saying, and I, I that I didn't I didn't overcome across any of that difference when I was doing my preparation. <clears throat> but you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Why is that significant? What what does preparing a table in the presence of enemies speak to? Okay. Thank you, dear. You get me a cup of water. Yeah. Yeah. And what does that say to the enemies? Yeah, there's someone. There's someone taking care of this person. Um, thank you. Mm-hmm. Maybe it says to the enemies, "That's good. I want some of that." Yeah, and that, and that's exactly one of the things that I read was that it's sending a message that is if this is what his God can do for him, then I want that. And that might be bringing them into the fold. That's, that's a, a, good, a good understanding. That who is, who is this God that can do this for him even though I'm up here with my army ready to go after them? Mm. And that's, that's an image that, like you're saying, God is never, um, even back to um, the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. You are with me when I'm surrounded by my enemies and you still take care of me. And you will take care of me. That understanding that God is always with us no matter where we are. You anoint my head with oil. Anointing, that just seems foreign to me. I don't want to dump oil in my hair. (laughs) Whatever, a little bit I have left. Um, But in in those days, it was a refreshing um, and cleansing, and even for sheep, it was it was preparing. It was taking care of some of their needs, some of their, you know, getting caught in the brushes, and and it was healing. Mm-hmm. 
And as much as I joke with my wife about her voodoo oils, when she wants to rub it on my neck and rub it on my feet and, and diffuse it in the air, there, there are, and I'm sure that, that some of you use that, and there's, there's clear indication that there are oils that have healing capabilities. And so the, the anointing is a combination of healing, but it's also lifting someone up to a place of, of reverence and understanding. Um, if, if someone would come to your house for dinner, you might anoint their head with oil, wash their feet, you know, that whole scene um, where, where Jesus said, you didn't even wash my feet or anoint my head with oil when I came to your house for dinner, but this servant girl is now cleaning my feet with her tears, using expensive oil, and drying it with my hair. And then the anointing with oil was also a place of anointing the king. Um, so, you anoint my head with oil. Yep. Yep. All their surrounding enemies looked at these guys who were prosperous and built the temple and all stuff. I think that's more of what you're talking about in general. Yeah, and they, they, they're watching them. Right. And, and we saw they're yeah. right there looking over all the fields. Yep. Yep. <clears throat> My cup overflows. It doesn't say you put something in my cup. It doesn't say you fill my cup. It says my cup overflows. Providing for my need abundantly. And most of our needs are internal, spiritual uh, knowing and understanding God and working through our personal relationships. Uh, yes, there are financial needs, um, but do we, do we trust that our shepherd is going to take care of us? Didn't, didn't God take care of David? Even in his sin? Even when he... He wasn't doing what was right in the eyes of God. He restored him, he elevated him, and brought him back. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Goodness and mercy. Two attributes that that come from God, two gifts that come from God. Um, the goodness piece, what does that represent? Yeah, knowing 
walking, understanding, and the mercy piece? Forgiveness. Forgiveness. And for how long? All the days of my life. God, when, when we are walking in our relationship with God, He's in it for the long haul. He's in it for all the days of our lives. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Yeah. Uh, the church I grew up in Dallas, St. Andrew's Presbyterian Church, has the stained glass window of the shepherd, uh, Jesus the shepherd, Carrying the lamb home on his journey. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's uh, that was a good thought for me because uh, he sure. rescues us from whatever. Someone gave me a, a black and white of of uh, that same image, I think, and the lamb is here, and it it's all crossed Jesus' shoulder. And he's taking care of that lamb. I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Did it say, I shall visit the house of the Lord often? Or I will be a guest periodically? There's a difference, and even I think there's even a difference between dwelling and living. Dwelling, what does, what does dwelling, uh, right, right, that I've, I'm here, I'm settled, I know that I belong here. Uh, it, you know, Jesus came and dwelt among us. We, we dwell, we don't just live, we don't just visit, but we dwell in the house of the Lord Forever forever and that's a picture of eternity that's a picture of eternity well I thank Paul for giving me Psalm 23 because it's kind of an easy thing to walk through any insights or questions um, that that are out there for you Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Yeah, and but it's very clear that it is a valley, and it is not a pleasant place. But God is with you, and you will go through exactly. Other insights. Mm-hmm. 
It's overflowing. And wouldn't you rather have something overflowing than just have half a cup? Because what is, what is behind having half a cup? I may drink it and it's going to be empty. But the fact that it's overflowing, that it's replenishing, it's never going to run out. It's never going to go away. It, I'm going to have it and I don't have to worry where the next piece is coming from. Thank you. That's, that's awesome. Okay. Um, and it is... Not 9.30, it's 10.30. So, because uh, I still have another hour, right? <laughs> Thank you for being kind, audience. Um, and I think Paul will be back next week. I don't know who's in, who's in line, um, but I, I can't give you any clarity on that. I just do what I'm asked. I do what I'm asked. And I was asked to be here today. So let's pray together. Father, thank you for today. Thank you that you are our shepherd. And help us to, to yield to your leadership. Help us to trust in your sovereignty. Help us to understand that you want to meet our needs. And guide and direct us on how that will happen. Thank you for this group. Thank you for this church. Thank you for the fellowship that we enjoy together in this body of Christ that we call First Presbyterian. Be with us today, whether we're going home or whether we're going to worship or whatever it is we're going to do next. Bless our day and make yourself known to us in every way. In Jesus' name, amen.